don't wanna go to work I just wanna chill and play All day Look him dead in the face and say I wish I could just be still asleep while you work Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jobs Blow Podcast with Brianna and Josh. The podcast for dreamers with day jobs. Hey, we are so glad to be back here at Comic Strip Live in New York City to tell yet another inspiring story from someone pursuing their dream job. Yes, Josh, because as the saying goes, when you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life. You don't work a day in your life. I would love to not work a day in my Hi. life. Hi, Brianna. Hi, how are you? I don't have my glasses on, so that oh, one yeah. I did without really You reading. see how much more <laughs> Natural that was well, because it's an easier you, one. The other one was just still. Too you weren't reading it. You got to ingest it yeah. and then like you know spit it out. That's appropriate for today. Yeah. Okay. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Can you hear yourself all right? Um. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Can you? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was a little low. Um. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Tell us what's going on with you. Uh, uh, how is work? How, is good at the cookie company, which I'm going to ask our guest. Can you say the cookie company? No, for I'm going to say it first and tell me if I'm wrong. You ready? Michelle et Augustine. Ah, ça c'est pas mal, hein? Yeah, oui. Ah, you oui. say it now. Now you say it. Ah, Michel et Augustine. Ah, I see. So it is teen. It's I don't not know. Stin. I think it's not. Okay. It's Whatever. I, I, There's no E at the I end. I Americanize it. it. Yeah. Michelle like and Augustine. Michelle and Augustine. Anyway, I did a, a co-op SMT yesterday. Okay. And I just want our audience to know that for Valentine's oh. Day, if you go, and actually through the end of March, since this show will probably be post-Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. Right. Go on Amazon. Use the promo code FrenchMe25. Stop. And you get 25% off the cookies. French me 25 is the promo code? Yes. You yes. are your your dirty mind is infiltrating <laughs> this cookie business. It's good. It's good. And that was all all these TV stations across the country French yesterday. We were in Wisconsin to Florida like, oh, to gosh, Oregon. That's too aggressive. Ohio. <laughs> Ohio. 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 Oh, oh, yeah. We're we were in Cleveland and Columbus. Oh, yes. That's why there was a mess up at the caucuses. People were, were like all disturbed by this yeah. discount code. They were like, "Wait, who what?" Wow. So there so this is just on the website. On Amazon. On Amazon. On yes. Amazon, you can yeah. use that code. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, they're right. so good, by the way. I've been going through this like weird sweet tooth recently. Like I'm never, I don't care for it, you know. But I'm sitting there on the couch recently, and I'm like eating uh, the bag of these out of the closet. They're like, you know, you gave me the the one, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like addicted. I don't know what happened. They're really good. You can't just have just one. You can't. No. They're bite sized. They're delicious. They so tell us about you. You had a big night last night. I Josh. did. I performed at the comic strip last night. Here we're looking at the stage right we're now. Looking at the stage now. There was a solid amount of people in here for Monday night. Well, you had some good people with you too. Yeah, we had a great lineup. We did friends, but also people with some great credits. Uh, Lenny Marcus, uh, Christian Finnegan, Kevin Nico Farley, White, Kevin Farley, of course, Chris Farley's brother. And uh, this crowd was great. And and, you know, I uh, went like a, you know, good spot in the lineup and I got like a solid set out of it. It was really fun. How long were you up there? 20. Really? Yeah. Oof. It was fun. It was, And I didn't even get to I still have so. scars from five. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Woo, I'd be like, is this done yet? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I had Ooh fun. La it, was la. Really <laughs> la la. it was awesome. It was awesome. So we're here. I'm back here two times, two days in the booth now. And we got a great guest for today. Another connection. Ohio. Ohio. It's an Ohio connection. So interesting story. Well, real quick, we should tell people, don't, don't suggest guests just think of people that might know brianna <laughs> that could come on the show because that's where we pull our guests from. okay well he didn't know me until today oh. however um through my family in ohio my right. aunt kathy who was the head of fundraising at the rutherford 
B. Hayes or Rutherford B. Hayes Museum. Uh-huh. She had him there as a guest, and I'm referring to former White House chef John Moeller, who is here with us today. We're super excited. Wait, White House, like the White House? The White House, <gasps> yes. So the Casablanca. He came, the Casa- this, I love this He guy. came to- That's where my mom's from, Casablanca. Oh, really? He yeah. came to Podunk, Fremont, Ohio. He <laughs> ate at my stepmom's amazing diner. Wow. And, um, and now he is with us today. Wow. Uh, so the name of the show is, is White House Dish with- Commander in Chef John Mueller. Yeah, we took two titles and That's made a it into team one. Right there, yes. French me twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he has French background, so um, that's where yeah. he was trained, right? You're gonna tell us your story, but I just had this crazy idea. You should do like a TV show where you go like kind of diners, drive-ins, and dives, but from like a presidential meal mm-hmm. experience. Like, oh, the the president Bush George Bush would never would have eaten this thing. You know, you this roll is up you in a limousine right. and Secret Service. Oh, you love out. my chicken pot pie. You know? Yeah. <laughs> both uh, both Clinton and Bush gave me big thumbs up and said, John, this is the kind of food I like. You really? Know? So good comfort food is still good comfort food. I yeah, love a good ch- chicken pot pie. But it's Dutch style, how we do it in Pennsylvania. where we It's not the pie crust. You make a dumpling dough, egg dough, and, um, and then fold that into and cook it in the stew. And so oh. you just dump this into a big bowl and you just kind of go at it. And, uh, is it like a big one or are they little mini pies? Uh, no, uh, you, do, you, you make the egg dough, you roll yeah. it out, and then you cut in strips and boil it in the chicken stock uh-huh. and then fold that in with the vegetables and the meat at the end. And so it's, it's kind of like a stew. Oh my this God. feels like that? a cooking show all yeah. of a sudden, and now I'm super hungry. Yeah, mm-hmm. this would have been a good dessert, the Michelle and Augustine, if we had had the pot pies here. Yes, next time, please bring pot mm-hmm. pies. Pot pies. Um, so we usually start the show with a little uh, HR setup, and I'm sure you've had to meet with HR at some point in your career, yes? A few times. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just go to the White House and start working. <laughs> I imagine you had to meet with some sure. people. I got my ladle. <laughs> you start tomorrow, get up, get back there. <laughs> yeah, here's your badge. Um, okay, well, maybe now that's how it goes but uh, not when nah, you were there nah, anyway nah. after 9-11 the security clearance situa- situation is a lot more stringent I, I mean, bet it took me three and a half months to start my first day there once I accepted the job at the White House back in the spring of 92 it was uh, late sep- mid-September when I uh, finally was able to start working there but uh, the background check that the FBI and the Secret Service does on you is somewhat extensive. You know, the, I'm the last person to, that touches the food before the president eats it. And there's no Secret Service standing in the kitchen watching me what I'm doing. Or there's no Secret Service even in the dining room or in the private quarters of the president watching him while he's just being himself. So between the chefs, the butlers, and the maids, we are the closest ones to them on a daily basis in a very, very private moment. Wow. wow. Even the people, the waiters serving the food, they're yep. not touching it. They're not allowed to. They just serve it. You know, so there's a small kitchen on the second floor of the White House that we'll go up and work out of. Down on the ground floor is our main kitchen where we do the heavy preparation. And if you look at the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue, the first floor is all the ceremonial rooms, the state dining room, red room, green room, blue room, all that. Right. The second floor is actually where they live. That's their apartment area. Right. And so you look at the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue, the second floor far right window is the kitchen I'm working in. And it's no bigger than just an average home kitchen. Right. And the next two windows is a private dining area. And then there's a little hair salon for the, pre- for the, not for, but for the first lady. And then that's, uh, that's their area where you, know, you have the Queen's room, the Lincoln bedroom, their private rooms, the, the, 
the president's office on the second floor, the treaty room. So is so it I, just like what we saw in uh, what's the, the the show on Netflix with um, Kevin Spacey? Oh, was I it set up it. like that? Do you ever did you ever watch that? Like, I never got House to watch of Cards. It. House of Cards. It's a little bit different. I saw a couple excerpts out. They they play with it a little bit, put a little Hollywood into it. Yeah. But uh, I tell you what, to be up there and uh, wait for the president first day to come back from a trip, and I'm up on the second floor because you know it's at seven o'clock at night and they're going to eat right away. Right. You just kind of wander out into the private area. You see all these really cool trinkets uh, that are yeah. either gifts that are given to them from uh, from uh, heads of state from around the world. Right. Or if you step outside from my kitchen in the West Sitting Hall, there's a Monet sitting up there. What? And on the bottom there, it says, this is a gift to the White House in honor of uh, JFK from the from the Kennedy family to them. So that that, wow. that will never move. I think it'll, it was there the whole time I was there. I'm sure nobody will ever move that, uh, that uh, picture. And wow. it's a real Monet. Just from like a, you know, like a, ground floor or like a human standpoint but like we all like right we wander into the kitchen we open the fridge we stare we close it we turn around we come back we open the fridge like is there any of that going on does do they wander in and go i just need a piece of cheese well in a way yes you know i mean i'm up there getting ready and sometimes uh bush would come in and he's actually looking for like a bottle Which of water bush? or something like that w because he on the third floor of the white house there's an exercise room up oh. there and so some he liked working out a lot he was pretty vigorous with right. that and he come down looking for well, two things actually ice pack for his knees and a beer he, <laughs> maybe <laughs> he, the only beer he drank was a bockler non-alcoholic beer he'd have really? one of sometimes before dinner but that was it you hmm. know he, he didn't touch anything uh with alcohol in it but they you said there was like so the two dining rooms right or the two kitchens uh-huh. right but their upstairs kitchen you said was like a like a house size kitchen it is a normal mm-hmm. house size kitchen right mm-hmm. would they like how often percentage of the time let's say are they eating whatever meal of of a day in that little dining area near that second kitchen um well basically three times a day they are you know? they're uh, eating there just about if they're in the, the on if they're on the property uh, we're expecting to have something up there in the dining room. And sometimes when the Clintons were up there, they like eating in the kitchen to make it a little more homier with, yeah, with Chelsea. That's what I'm saying. And so sometimes I'd be pushed out of the kitchen. I'd send the food up from the ground floor kitchen to, with the butler, and he'd take it up to the second floor kitchen, serve it right there oh, to them. that's cute. But I would be, I would be pushed cute. out of the kitchen. You know? No, but I mean, I yeah, eat yeah. breakfast. We eat breakfast specifically every morning in our kitchen at the table. Everybody has their chairs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not in a dining room. It's just on yeah. in the kitchen. Okay, wait, we got we to gotta slow just down. Saying, yeah, no, yeah, I'm just saying ju- like, you know, I'm saying that they that it's interesting to think you're telling that story is like, you know, in the one respect, you think the White House, like everything is served in your suit and tie. And here you are, mm-hmm. your majesty, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, maybe they're just in their pajamas eating at the kitchen table. I've seen them all in their pajamas just <laughs> eating at the kitchen table sometimes, is. you know. Yeah. OK, I just want to level set because our audience doesn't yet know when you were at the White House. Yeah, so I want to give them that, all that right. background information uh, well, before we then. go into their meal services. Mm-hmm. OK, so what is your current job title? today uh well today i am a uh, restaurateur i am a chef owner of a restaurant in lancaster pennsylvania in my hometown i moved back there a few years ago and it's called the greenfield restaurant and bar i also have a catering business and i'm also an author of a book i wrote a book that uh it's titled the uh, dining at the white house that was uh, released in 2013 and so i do a few of these things i travel around the country doing special events and uh and then also have the restaurant and catering business but i'm also former white house chef john muller and tell us what years you were there i started in 1992 with George H.W. Bush 
uh, continued eight years with the Clintons, and then continued to 2005 with George W. Bush. So from 1992 to 2005 for 13 years, I had the great wow. opportunity to wow. be catapulted up to the second floor of the White House inside the Ring of the Secret Service and just taking care of them in a very unique way because politics had nothing to do with my job. Right. And you would never, ever talk about politics or you would be off the second floor. Right. So uh, it was just great to get to know them as just regular people. And was would you call that opportunity um, your dream job? What or was it, I mean, had you dreamt of working in the White House or that was just kind of the direction that your career took? Well, it's serendipitous if you really look and it's all explained in the book there in a, in a crazy way. But it's what happened. And there's no crystal ball to look ahead and say, hey, this is what I'm going to do now to make that happen. You know, I, uh, in 1984, I had an opportunity to go over to Europe, I had a friend of mine working in Paris. So I bought a one-way ticket to France and put a backpack on. I said, I'm just going. And everybody thought it was nuts. You know, do you have a job lined up? No. Right. Do you speak French? Eh, come see, come saw. Were was. you educated in where you are? Had you already gone to school to be a chef at this point? Yep. Okay. Yep. So uh, I started when I was 15 years old, washing dishes at a college up the street uh, called Franklin Marshall College right. uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Then went to a Votech program in high school. Then went to Johnson & Wales up in Providence, Rhode Island for culinary, and then uh, graduated in 1981, stayed in New England for a bit until I went to uh, France in 84, and then ended up spending two and a half years in France, uh, working mainly in Dijon, France, and in Burgundy. I went to the University of Dijon to get my poly français going a little better, mm -hmm. and I worked in, uh, there was actually a famous chef back in 19, I'm sorry, uh, 2003, who uh, took his own life. His name was Bernard Loiseau. He was a famous French chef, had three-star Michelin, and there was a chance he may be losing a star, and he, uh, he, he uh, took his Couldn't own life. Handle it. Wow. But I worked for him in 1985 when he was voted chef of the year of all of France. Right. And so I see, you just see this. I mean, you say what you want about the French, but they, uh, they, they really take food seriously. Oh, I and, know. And what goes into uh, the work and the preparation behind it was yeah. pretty extensive, you know? My family's French-Moroccan, and it's Moroccan, but the French side of them, all their food, everything is just taken so seriously, from couscouses to... I love good couscous, you know. Yeah. Have oh, they considered yeah. a pied noir? Yeah. Is it, are they f referred to as a pied noir? No, I don't know. Yeah. They no. considered a French person who lit, who was brought up in, in North Africa a pied noir. Pied is a, oh. it's a black foot, it means, oh. uh, is, is the translated word. You know, I've never heard that phrase around us, but um, more Jewish side, so maybe more like focusing on the Jewish foods. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, they just take it so seriously. I mean, you eat that food and you're like, oh, my God, you couldn't get this at any restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, a good couscous is just wonderful uh, with this yeah. the skewered lamb and oh over the couscous with Chicken. that nice uh, vegetable broth. We should have had wine for this, too. We yeah. should have just had wine and some, some delicious food. Fromage. Uh, <laughs> Something cheese. interesting you said about, about it being serendipitous, like, you know, not necessarily thinking, oh, one day I'm going to work at the White House. Mm -hmm. But you had this impetus, clearly, to just take off and go to France. And right. Like, what was that motivating force for you where everyone else said you're crazy? Um, inside me, I just said there's something else out there. Mm -hmm. And really, and so I was like, you know, there, I'm, I'm doing this up here, and I was working in Boston and, and uh, Providence, Rhode Island for a little bit. I said, there's something else out there. I want to, I want to see it, you know. And I had a few things that kind of like whetted my appetite a little bit, right. you know, from some books I was reading at the time. Had and, you ever been to Europe? Uh, well, when I graduated culinary school in '81, uh, one of my professors, who was Scottish, had a uh, two-week uh, culinary tour of France. Oh, nice. And, well, we started in England, then went to Scotland, Ireland, and then over to France. And actually, the day we crossed over to Ireland was during the Bobby Sands uh, 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 hunger strikes that was going on when the IRA right. situation was really, really kind of tough, and that was an experience. 
experience on itself, just going through Northern Ireland, down to Ireland, and then back over through Wales into uh, into England. But then we ended up over in uh, in France, spent a, a week and a week or more over in France, and that that whetted my appetite a little bit. I said, "Boy, I need to get back here. I want to come back and see, do something else." You know. So then, what year did you come back to the states? So uh, July of '84 went over. It was actually like Fourth of July, I think, is when I left. Ironically enough, and then it was uh, uh, late. Like November of '86, when I came back, I was back in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, for about a month or so. I had a job opportunity down in the Virgin Islands in St. Croix. They were looking for a sous chef at this resort for the season. Which resort? Uh, in St. Croix, it was the Cormorant Beach Club. Oh, I've mm. been to St. Croix. I stayed at the Buccaneer. Buccaneer. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's on the other side of Christianstead. If you cross through Christianstead and you're heading towards uh, Frederickstead, it's about I don't know, a mile or two outside of town there, along the coast. A beautiful little. Spot did you there. meet the Crucian family that that had the Crucian rum on on St. Croix? Because that's what I was doing there. I, I was working PR for their rum. <laughs> PR was, for their rum. It was rum. really. It was. It was. You awesome. were taste testing. It was so nice. <laughs> no, I, I only met the rum when uh, I was there. <laughs> I got to go I, on their yacht. It was pretty cool. Oh, I it missed was, a few things there. Yeah, no. Uh, okay, sorry. So, continue. No, no. So, uh, and so that was um, uh, 86, 80, uh, summer of 87, on what, June or so. Uh, down Back then, there was really a season. You didn't have, uh, yeah, right now it's like more year-round. You can go down to the islands. Back then, you know, once it closed down in June or so, that was it until like October. And I was planning on going back in October, but I uh, came back up north, land in D.C., I said, oh, I kind of like the international flair here. I'm going to kind of hang out here for a day or so and see what happens. And uh, I started looking for work at 11 o'clock in the morning. One of the first places I stopped by was the White House. And I said to one officer, said, hey, is there any way you can get an application in this place? He goes, yeah, pick up that phone over there. So I picked up the phone and the operator picked up. And I said, hey, what was it take to get an, uh, an application in this place? And he said, well, you got to do this, this, and this. And I was like, yeah, I don't have a pen right now. <laughs> right. Maybe later, you know. So I right. hung it up. But I did that. You're like, I didn't think I was going to get this far. <laughs> <laughs> I did that that first morning. Then I wandered around some famous restaurants. Yeah, Jean-Louis Le Pantin. At, uh, he, had a, he had a famous restaurant and a few other places. Then I was off DuPont Circle. And there was a restaurant. And you want to talk about serendipitous. Uh, a month before I left to go to Europe, I was watching a PBS program. And they were talking about women working in a men's world. And there was this female chef working at this French restaurant off DuPont Circle. And she was the poissonnier, the fish chef. And the name of the restaurant was called the Four Ways Restaurant. And so I, that was kind of a cool little segment. The name stuck in my head. Fast forward three plus years. I'm, I didn't know it, but I was right near DuPont Circle. I was at a hotel. The lady in HR was kind of looking at my resume going, geez, I need to find something for you. This is, you got some great experience. I said, hey, but while she's looking, I said, do you have a, a phone book? And so she handed it to me and I looked, I got to see if this place Four Ways exists. But, but oh, holy crap, there it is. Four Ways Restaurant. I said to her, where's this place at? She goes, oh, it's like two blocks over there. I said, I got to go over and check this place out right. and see what's going on. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Lunch service is done. I go to the uh, front desk. Uh, the maitre d' comes out. I say, I'm just wondering if there's any job possibilities. And he gave him my resume. Uh, the chef came out. He was French-Belgian at the time. Right. He looked at me. He goes, how did you know I was looking for someone? <laughs> That's the first word wow. out of his mouth. I said, oh, I'm just a walk-in. You know? yeah. So we went down, sat down. He looked at that sh- the chef that offed himself right. in 2003. He said, geez, you worked at Loiseau's place. Right. You worked here and here. Hey, I'm building my, my team right now. Wow. Uh, you can start working tomorrow if you want. Wow. wow. I said, so within t- I had to get 
situated. So right. I went up to Pennsylvania and grabbed a few things. Actually, as soon as I left there, I went to this little cafe that looked like a French cafe. It's called Café Rabelais, ironically. And this young girl came over, the hostess, I'm sorry, the waitress came over and said, uh, you know, got my order and stuff. And I said, you know what? I just got into town. I've been here like a few hours. I got a job right across the street there, that place. I got to find a place to live now. Yeah. And she goes, well, go across the street, that bagel place. They have like a, a community board of, you know, you know, share rooms and all that stuff. Sure. I walk over there, pluck a few numbers, and there was a guy that was subletting his apartment for the month of July. And so before you know it, boom. Did you marry the waitress too? <laughs> like, I, I thought mean, that's where this was going, actually. Like, I know. <laughs> now, she was from Sweden too. And, uh, <laughs> you missed it. You have a whole international uh, affair. Molded, yeah. Look at this guy missing opportunities. <laughs> so wait, so how long, so what year is this? 1987, summer thereof. So then you were there at that restaurant until... Uh, it that was late '89. Uh, unfortunately, the place closed then. Uh, they had some financial issues and stuff like that. So, uh, two weeks after I started working with this French Belgian chef, he said to me after service on a Friday night, "Hey, John, what are you doing tonight? Come with me. All the French chefs in Washington get together once in a while. And tonight's the night." Okay. He says your French is good enough. You can hang with us. So we go down to the Mayflower Hotel, and every French chef in Washington was there that night, guaranteed. And he introduced me to a few of these guys. One guy I met that night, his name was Pierre Chambrin. Right. Uh, we became friends, and we talked from time to time about some job possibilities in D.C. And then I heard he started working at the White House about 1990 or so. I said, well, that's pretty crazy. Uh, Pierre's at the White House. Right. And then two years later, I get a phone call from Pierre one day. He said, hey, John, I don't know if you know, but I've been a sous chef at the White House for the past couple of years. Now I'm up for the chef position. In fact, they brought me in uh, to groom me for the position because they knew the head chef was going to be retiring. He'd been there wow. for like 20-plus years. Wow. Now I'm looking for someone to be my sous chef. Would you be interested? I said, I don't know. Let me think about this. Absolutely. I mean, holy crap. (laughs) What what do I got to do, you know? Right. So when we sat down to talk about it, he said, there's five chefs who work full time at the White House. You have three in the cooking side, two in the pastry. He says, I'm French born, but you have to be American citizen to work full time. The pastry chef is French born, but he's an American citizen too. I could bring another Frenchman in that's an American citizen, but I think it's too many French people. <laughs> so what I'm looking for is an American that knows something about French cooking. So that there little Saison France is what uh, set me apart from the other candidates. How, how much of that opportunity in that moment was motivating you through like being working in the White House or as a cooking opportunity? Like to work uh, with both. him and be cooking on a certain level as opposed to, oh, this is the White House, I'm going regardless. I mean, I, I knew Pierre. He was he was a, a very well-known chef in D.C. for quite a few years, like over a decade or so. I think he came in the late 70s. Right. And uh, I said, boy, I'm going to be working with Pierre. And I'm going to be serving the President First Lady. Right. <laughs> and they're going to bring people to dinner like kings, queens, and prime ministers. You know what I mean? Well, the day that they, they gave me the job... And I walked out through those gates, and I was just like, I was floored. I mean, I never had a feeling like this going, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Did I actually get the job right. here? I was just actually tingling, going, this is a game changer. This right. this is, I, I don't know what is in front of me, but it's going to be something different. So was your title at the restaurant that you're working in, sous chef, or, chef, or were you um, further along? I mean, mm-hmm. was that title... In the White House, like a step down title-wise, but it was the White House and... Yeah, I mean, uh, sous chef means you're, you're the assistant to the chef. That's I mean, what I, yeah. The, the word sous means under right. chef, so you're the under chef. Aren't so, you actually uh, doing most of the cooking as a sous chef? A lot of times you are. Yeah, you are the, uh, you're on the front line. But you're saying the pay scale for a sous chef at the White House was better than a sous chef at a restaurant, right? Uh, it was at first I wasn't <laughs> sure, but it was. It, but as it turned out, it, it ended up being a, a very good job with very good benefits too. You know? Give uh, give the audience a little bit just for those who don't fully understand the restaurant uh, mm-hmm. hierarchy there. Mm-hmm. But the executive chef basically sets the menu, oversees the whole production of everything. The sous 
chef is cooking the, the majority of the food, and then there's people underneath doing the little preps. That is correct. You know, the the, uh, the marchi order sometimes goes to the sous chef. The sous chef goes out and carries them out. And depending on the size of the operation, how many chefs you have underneath you, right. you know, if it's a big hotel, the executive chef may hardly ever touch a knife. You know, he's doing more, uh, you know, the, the paperwork and making sure things are in line uh, for for all his uh, his troops there. But the sous chef right. is on the front line there, taking care of everything. Mm-hmm. So you started with him, and you were at the tail end of Bush Sr.'s time. Yep, the last there. year of his administration. Okay, and then you were there through eight years of Clinton, and then Bush the first five, yep. four, five yep. years. Yep, the first, uh, first year, uh, first uh, term, just say, and then uh, one year into his second term. Mm-hmm. And you were there for... Mon- the Monica Lewinsky stuff. Monica Lewinsky. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You were there for 9-11. <laughs> I mean, you were yeah. there for some huge moments during those presidencies. Absolutely. I mean, uh, they, they were all, you know, there's a couple of worked some trying times there, you know? Yeah, and I mean, usually you talk in the kitchen. That had to <laughs> <Right>. be hard. <laughs> I was like, uh... <laughs> I'm sure Brianna and I, we have like a ton of both big and like minuscule questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for, just because we're still talking about like the job, uh, how it happened, but... So you, like, leaving in 2005, like, how often are jobs like yours or other jobs in the White House that come up just randomly in the middle of administrations? Don't they, wouldn't you imagine they would want to keep things consistent with incoming and outgoing presidencies and administrations? Um I don't think so. I mean, when there's a lot, there's a lot of positions like, you know, butlers and there's, like, electricians and a few other ones that, right. uh, you know, they may have... 30, 40 years in the place. You know, there was a guy that was working there when I got there. He was there over 50 years. Wow. It was jo- wow. Uh, Johnny Muffler. I bet he has some stories. He's, he's like, you see that section of the house? <laughs> I built it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, at the end there, he was uh, getting up there in age and he would tinker a bunch of things that we needed done around the house and he, he made sure all the clocks were wound up properly. You know? Did he really? <laughs> so. He's like, I'm just I'm just doing the clock winding at this point, 50 years in. Wow. Um, Staying on time. So, so let's, wait, let's, what was HR? What was HR like at the White House? Were they like, was it intense? Well, obviously, sexual harassment was not really focused <laughs> <Brianna>. on. <laughs> they skipped over that chapter. <laughs> Did you like? Was it formal interview? Sit down. Well, I mean, I went in there with Pierre. I met with the chief usher. He's the general manager of the White House. Right. He's the uh, he's the catalyst between us as resident staff. I was considered resident staff. They said when I got the job there, they said you serve to the pleasure of the president. And what does that mean is that we are two things. One, we are government employees, but we were not civil servants. We were not on the GS pay schedule. We had no job protection. We had the benefits of a, of a right. government employees, mm-hmm. but we were called resident staff. So we're in this funny little world in the government that we that was called RS. And if you talk to anybody who works in the government, you know, what, what's your GS pay schedule? That's like the Bible on how you get right. paid. So I was an RS employee. And uh, then also, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Pretty good public housing for what I was doing. I was a private chef there, and then it was a banquet house. All the different events that go on there from uh, breakfasts, lunches, dinners, cocktail receptions, state dinners, picnics on the south grounds, that's wow. all coming out of our kitchen too, along with um, making sure uh, Chelsea has dinner in the middle of a state dinner. You know? right. And did, where wow. did you, you didn't live did, there on did site? Not. Okay. Yeah, I all lived right. in Maryland uh, majority of the time I was there. Okay. And they're also not overtaxing you as far as... Uh, oh, we need, I, I need you to just be cooking whenever I need you. Wake up, get over here, cook. Like, you had to do a certain amount of meals a day, or like how much, you know, like how, what was the expectation in that regard? Well, let's, there's two ways to look at it. Let's say if there's nothing going on at the house, you know, there's right. no parties going on, and depends who the president is. I mean, the Bushes are there, they got up early. 
uh, like George uh, George W. Bush and Laura, they had breakfast at 6 a.m. Okay. And Laura Bush liked the steel-cut oats. If you're familiar with them, it takes like a half an hour to cook them. So I usually walk in the door like 525. I start simmering those things and get it at the right temperature. And then I'll go upstairs and get changed to my chef jacket and stuff, come down because I got some kill time for 20-some minutes. And then I set up a platter with these little cups, these little souffle cups with like, you know, some almonds and some uh, uh, dried fruit and raisins and all right. these, their honey, maple syrup. And she would kind of divvy up and figure out what she, what flavor she wants to put in there for today. And then we do two plates of fruit and one for the president. He, the only thing he had was uh, fresh uh, fruit every morning and coffee. And then he'd head over to the Oval Office by 6.30. Right. And what then, about and, the daughters? Did they have a separate, a separate breakfast time? Well, for them, for the most part, when they would call down and say, hey, I would like some oatmeal or actually on the second floor, we kept, you know, we kept milk and a couple boxes of uh, you know, honey bunch of oats and things right. like that. They could know? make their own. So they were allowed to do that. They could do that. Did they you have call. names that you had to refer to them by? Obviously, Mr. President, but. Yeah, Mr. President. Mr. President. What about the and, rest of the family? And I would say uh, Mrs. Clinton. Mrs. Yeah, Clinton. Mrs. Clinton. And I just referred to Chelsea as Chelsea. And, of course, when uh, George W. Bush came in, his daughters, the twins, they were just starting college. They were freshmen in college that year. So we saw them on holidays and uh, right, some trips right, there, but we didn't, I didn't get a chance to see them quite as much as Chelsea. But did you, you, to know did you refer to them because they were then adults? Was it like, you know, Miss Bush or – um, no, pretty much, you know, like uh, Jenna and, Jenna. Uh, and Barbara right. and uh, Chelsea. Was, there was no problem addressing them like that. And, well, we were very close. I mean, we were almost like part of the family to a degree, uh, what we did. And uh, it was it was kind of interesting. And they still remember you. I mean, so actually, I was at the uh, Rutherford Hayes Museum a couple months ago in November doing something. And ironically, a couple days before I got there, Laura Bush came to the – she was doing something close by. They got her to come to the museum. And it new director over there say hey, by the way we got chef john coming here in a couple days to do this thing and oh oh it's so good to hear about him i think he's up in pennsylvania now isn't he right. or something like that no, you know nice. so it was uh you know kind of nice it's funny you know? so your morning obviously started quite early what mm-hmm. when would you wrap up how was long well, was your on a normal day no parties then uh then you'll be responsible for lunch then too we might okay. wait for some word, maybe by 9, 30, 10. Somebody might call down and say, hey, uh, Mrs. Bush is having lunch with two people at 1230 or something like that. Right. You would complete lunch, come down, clean up, and maybe done at 1, 30, uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And then if I was doing dinner, I might come in between 12 and 1, depending what's going on. And then you'd work towards the dinner service. And then uh, after dinner's served, once they get up from the table, that's kind of our cue that we can leave the second floor kitchen. I'll go downstairs, finish cleaning up, put things away, put orders in for the next morning if I need. And uh, I'll call the butler and say, hey, everything cool up there? Yep. No, nobody's here. So, okay, I'll just let you know I'm taking off. Now, now that is a an average day. But there's obviously days where they're not there. They're not there for breakfast or they're not going to eat there for dinner. And then you're just off the hook for that meal. And there's times like that, too. And then that's usually when we catch up on menu writing. Menu writing was the most challenging thing that we did there. Menu we, writing. You know, Why? They would give us uh, events that are coming up for like the next month or so. Right. And here's, you know, breakfasts, lunches, dinners, cocktail receptions. And then we'd have to come up with uh, menus. We'd uh, write them out, give them to the usher's office. They would type it up in a format, send it over to the office of the first lady. The social secretary would get hold of them first. Uh-huh. Whoever wrote the menu, they would get back in touch with you about any questions about the menu. And then when the social secretary is ready to present them to the first lady, she'll do so. And you wait for the thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. And, and things so, should be changed based on and their they could. preferences. Most of the time, they just sails right through. So mm-hmm. when you knew there were particular guests coming from other countries, like how much oh, did yeah. that play into when you were coming up right. with the menus? Well, if there's a foreign dictatory coming in, uh, I would wait for their embassy would forward to us dietary restrictions. 
And so I would look at that, and we'd write the menu basically about four people, our president, first lady, and the visiting head and their spouse. And I, wow. I, we know the likes and dislikes of our, our president, first lady. I would look at seasonal ingredients uh, wow. and, and uh, things that maybe take an item that I wouldn't want to, you know, Chinese, I mean, the Japanese coming, I'm not going to make sushi. Right. But uh, maybe I might take daikon or something like that and make something out of it or do a twist on something, you right. know. But I want well, like, to try like, American food. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, are you saying, like, here you are here in our country, are we making you an American meal of some kind yes you know to present to you but it's got to be something you eat look at the reverse of that you may go to like say india you know and mm-hmm. you're not into that cuisine let's say but you know it's got to be something you're still going to eat too so it's got to be a like give and take you yeah. know and so that dietary restriction is important i look for you know, uh, you know religious considerations for mm-hmm. food wise uh, uh-huh. likes dislikes allergies allergies is a big one right mm-hmm. So the biggest thing I look for is likes. I just need sometimes I just need one thread of something to start that first stroke on the paper, right. and then kind of build from that point. Oh, so, that's cool. So mm-hmm. when you when you would send it to the first lady for her feedback, which first lady were you like? Oh, she'll be fine with this. And which one were you like? Oh, please let her, this get by her. <laughs> for the most part, they were all kind of equal in that respect. You know, yeah. I mean, if there's something like really high profile going on they would be a little bit more concerned about uh what the menu is going to be most part you know they it it might be a little adjustment here or there but it's just micro changes they basically trusted you is what you're saying they trusted you to and and they're so busy with their lives hey that looks acceptable that looks pretty good you know right we're good with that you know how many times were ever they're like looking at they're like oh my god i know i said fish was okay but i just want a steak right now Mm -hmm. that happened it can, it can. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there was, there was uh, one, one evening that kind of happened in a way, you know. But Mrs. Clinton was out on uh, on the campaign trail running for the Senate seat up right. here in the great state of New York here. And I hadn't seen her for three or four days. And she was by herself. And she was arriving at 7.10 that evening. Right. So she's going to have dinner right away. Right. You know, so I said, I'm just going to play it safe and, and just get some salmon, you know, right. and do some basic this, that, and the other. Just, I play it safe. I mean, this is something that she always liked. Mm-hmm. So uh, she, so... First lady's arriving at the, at the dip room. So, right. okay, so I'm standing attention, boom, getting ready. I watch the phone. The, as soon as that elevator goes up, within a moment, that phone rang. And it's and there's an asterisk that would show up in our caller ID. Uh-huh. That's somebody calling from the second floor. So uh-huh. I go, man, uh, good evening. Uh, John here. How can I help you? Oh, John, what do we have for dinner tonight? And I right. said, well, I have some salmon. And uh, I said the first syllable, sa, not mun. <laughs> right. And I had that last night. And now it's silence, and I need to respond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, God, I wasn't expecting that at all. Right. Um, and I'm thinking, and I remember I had a whole strip loin that was right. for an event coming up in the next day or so. I said, well, I got a New York strip in the back. I could cut a, I could cut a steak or something like that. That right. was the only thing, I, a protein that I knew I could grab immediately. Right. She goes, you know what? A steak, yeah, I would really love a steak tonight. <laughs> I said, okay, so man. She's like, I running all... for Senate makes me hungry. <laughs> oh, give me that red meat, man, you know? Wow. And so, man, I went there and I cut that steak so foul. got the pan on the stove first. first. Yeah. yeah, that sucker hot. Yeah. Go down the hallway, I grabbed that thing and right right through the plastic. I mean, I cut a steak wow. very quick. I kept pretty much all the same vegetable garnishes sure. and stuff like that, you know? And thank God she didn't say mashed potatoes otherwise i would have been screwed oh, yeah. Thanks, you know? wow, right. and and so i got that thing up there and uh, i was like man if 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 i had a bet on this i would never ever want not one time since she'd been there had i cooked a steak and a uh, red meat for her by herself wow. Chick, chicken or a fish would wow. be or a crab cake or something like that you know but never by herself would she had a red piece of meat so when, when you say down the hall is there like a big like i don't know pantry meat 
locker uh, mini supermarket that you have access to for yeah, this kind of thing? Or walk-in boxes where we keep our provisions. Yeah. Uh, you go out of our warehouse kitchen. So if, uh, we're on the ground floor, which is uh, right below the level of, if you're looking at the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue. But if you look at the staircase going up to the North Portico, right, right under that staircase is our walk-in box. In fact, it's even slanted inside really? the box because the steps because are going right stairs. through it, yeah. you know, basically. But you're not leaning when you go in there. It's, it's up kind of sure. high there. So there's our main fridges that we have that are big. And then inside the kitchen itself, we have, uh, you know, reachings and refrigeration there for when we do prep. And then we have, when things sure. are prepped up, we would always keep it down in our kitchen. So who's shopping then? Who, who does the well, shopping? Well, that's an interesting thing, too. We accept no deliveries. We're not a hotel restaurant. There's right. Not, right. Nothing. So not even you... a pencil can be delivered to the White House. Nothing. Really? No so, delivery. So, so write, what do you do for f- this food? I write my uh, my shopping list. I give it to someone in my storeroom. They go out with a Secret Service agent who's uh, in plain clothes. Uh, he's packing them, and right. he, he's, he's chauffeuring them around the city in an unmarked vehicle. How often did that happen? Like, how often was it? Monday through Friday, generally speaking, uh, as much as I need them to go out. And who pays for the groceries? President First Lady get a bill at the end of the month for everything they consume personally. Even if they have pets, dog food, kitty litter, all that kind of stuff. Uh, toiletry really? things, what's their favorite toothpaste? We find out what that is, put it in the storeroom. Our, uh, our, our uh, maid would come down, grab a right. tube off the shelf. Boom, we'd have a little self-checkout system. Boom, Colgate, who are you going to charge it to? First family, click enter, boom. That goes and then what, that comes out of their salary, so to speak? Oh, um, I don't know how the payment is, if they write a check or if it's automatic withdrawal or anything like that. <laughs> but so they get funny. a list of all the things this they This is for personal, personal stuff. Personal. So if it's a state dinner, that comes no, out of a different yeah, budget, right? I know, but. That's just, the taxes. We're paying I for know, that. But I'm saying like, <laughs> so if, if they're like, I want you to go and get me the most expensive piece of meat. I want that Kobe, make, John. Bring that, that Kobe, Kobe right now for my lunch. That's on them. It's on them. Yep. So, and someone has to buy that. I, like, that's what I'm trying to get around is like someone's going with a shopping list with mm-hmm. a Secret Service agent into like a Whole Foods and like buying this. That's their. The, but what about state dinners where you need like 50 plates? Like where does that food come from? Well, we like, can go to a meat house too, but it's random. Oh we go up, uh, there's only, you know, uh, we have our ways. I'm not sure if I want to talk too much about, but they, right. we have our ways on how we go into a, delivery. A it's, so, you just don't think about all the, sorry, about all these things that mm-hmm. these little things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you when you were, when you applied for the job, did they do any psychological evaluate? Because oh, oh, oh. again, you are the last person that sees their food. Mm-hmm. How do they know you're not crazy or like a, te- a terrorist or <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, first of all, I was a chef, so they know I was half crazy already. Right, right, uh, right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, they they uh, they had a whole laundry list of questions and stuff, and then they gave me a, a, a paperwork. It was called a questionnaire for sensitive positions, and it was long, oh, and wow. there was no internet back then. I mean, uh, yeah. I I said, boy, I lived all over Europe. I did his, I did that. He goes, well, you tell us where you've been. We have field offices all around the world. We will check you out. Oh wow. my god! So I had to go and dig out these addresses of places <gasps> I lived over in Europe. Then yeah, I was like, geez. I was finding some old, hey, mom, you got any of those old letters I sent you? What? <laughs> and she did. She held on to them. So God I found bless return, mom. Re- return addresses. I was yeah. like, Meanwhile, the CIA that. is like, this guy's great. Did <laughs> you hire him? Did, you, did anyone say to you later, like, I got a phone call and they were asking questions? You know, funny thing, though, literally a couple days after 
I signed it in the paperwork. Uh-huh. The uh, one of my neighbors come up to me and go, "Hey, John, what's going on?" I said, <laughs> I, said I don't know what's going on. I said, "Well, the the, uh, the FBI's around here asking questions about you." Wow. I said, "Really?" I said, "I'm I'm just applied for a federal position." Oh, is that it? But they go and on, in DC, it, a federal position could be any like. Right. They had no idea that you were going to be. They didn't even say to the people, "Say, hey, you know, John's applying for this federal position, and we need to ask him questions." They just going to start asking these questions. Made us kind of suspicious. I mean, my right. friend came up to go, "Hey, John, I mean, what, what's going on, man? Holy crap!" Be honest, yeah. about you, man. Dude. But doesn't that kind of give you a sense of comfort too that like they're doing their homework to make sure that the people working around the president and these sensitive positions are like legit? And, and there's once I get the food, I'm the last person that that prepares it. I'm tasting, making sure it's up to par, and then I'm putting it on the plate. I give it to a butler. He goes into the dining room, gives it to the president, and boom, that's it. There's there's no taste testers. There's no secret service kind of all right. Lift up that cover before it goes into the right. dining room. I want to check it out one more time. Like I said, the Secret Service were not allowed in the private residence. Were there testers they had, when there were people from other countries? Did other not, countries demand tr- it or anything? They would trust us. Okay. And they, they, they trusted us like we would trust them if we were in, in a palace somewhere right. around the world. Did, was there a difference in responsibility between – I mean, we, we talked about like uh, executive chef, sous chef, but um, – like, did you have as much interaction with them as the sous chef in the White House as opposed to being the executive chef? Well, in a way, yes, because uh, between myself, there there's three chefs in the kitchen. You had the executive chef. I was the first sous, and then you had basically kind of a second sous, you know, right. yeah, and that was under me. And the two of us were in charge of family, and we would rotate that day shift to the night shift, like every week or other week. So you know, you're on day or you're on night. So by doing that, you're on the second floor taking care of the family right. you prepare mm-hmm. on the f- ground floor take it up to the second floor and then prepare everything so they're interacting with you oh you know especially when george w was hw was in there he'd come back in the kitchen shake my hand. oh john that was a great dinner tonight. i was going to you know? ask you who was the most approachable would you say it was him george hw they were they were just very very down-to-earth people and they were, they yeah. were just great great folks you know in fact people could tell me when i got in there because that's the only one i experienced john right. this is not a normal first family they yeah. are very close to us as resident staff and uh, hw H.W. And so that was the first one I experienced. Uh, what do you think the most extraordinary day of being at the White House? Ever? Uh, Any thoughts? I, let me guess. Probably no. 9-11. No. Well, just in general terms. I, I, not, not taking it, yes, yes, that was extraordinary in a way, but just in general Christmas terms. Christmas Eve. Mm, inauguration? Inauguration day. Really? What it takes to get a president out in the morning and get a new one there a few hours later and flip the place? Oh my gosh. Right? Oh yeah. Beyond comprehension. You're like, see ya. <laughs> I mean, the like, Oval Office gets dismantled. And, what, uh, and what happens to all that stuff, actually? It's a great question. You said the Monet won't come off the wall, mm-hmm. but stuff that uh, one president you know decorates their ha- the house with where does that stuff go well so the curator's department you right. know, the, the curator's office they they know what belongs to like the bushes and what belongs to the white house they also have a list from the incoming president what are they going to be bringing in uh, right. is there things that they need and then let's go to the oval office the oval office his 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 office is dismantled uh, at the moment and this is the other thing too i mean Yes, he leaves at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning to go right. up to this, up to Capitol Hill, and they have all their ceremonial things, they'll have right, lunch right. and all that stuff. At 12.15, the hand goes on the Bible. You know, so when they leave the White House at 10, 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, the moving trucks pull up in front. Oh, my gosh. They get out. They talk to the curator's office. They know what needs to be done. What but they comes in and out. Yeah, but they can't touch anything because the president's still the president. Until wow. 12.15. And once that hand comes off the Bible, that's when, boom. That was, that's Sounds like when go. you get laid off. 
and they have yeah. you in the office, and then out, all of a sudden your computer your gets shut down. And you, you know you how can't hard get back on. If that's all. I mean, I know I I trust that that's all true. You know how hard it must have been to change out all the regular toilets for gold toilets. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Yeah. That's wow. Something. They yeah. must have had a full staff doing that. Okay, so I, I had another question. So when you did these state department dinners and mm-hmm. all these events at the White House, who what who what guest? Was the most, like, for you, were you like, holy shit, I can't, like, you were most impressed with? Who, just knowing you worked with the president every day, like, who really Did anyone, you? like, like blow your mind yeah. as far as, like, who came in? Well, uh, there, there was an instance that was kind of non-political. Uh, but there's also, uh, you know, like when you had like Nelson Mandela came to the White House. There you his go. first trip out of South Africa as the president of South Africa. And wow. he came to us as uh, our state visit. I mean, that was just, you're, you're just like tingling the whole night. I mean, right. yeah, I think we served some kind of halibut or something like that, whatever, right. you know. But that was like, that was all small potatoes compared to what, what he did, you know. So you served small potatoes with the halibut? <laughs> they were real nice. <laughs> some French herbs on it, you know. Wow, that so must have it's almost, it, it's like, I, I don't want to belittle it and call it like a celebrity sighting, but like, like it's just probably that's like bigger that. it's, than a celebrity. Right, it's like, it's like uh, world history. Like, yeah. It's it's like you're meeting uh, Napoleon. You know, like exactly. You know, and, and to see them on a regular basis. I mean, they we, we didn't go out and interact with. Hey, these are our chefs here, and we just want to say thank. You know, that sure. didn't happen. You know, right. Uh, but then there's other times where like uh, times like first lady might have a luncheon. We know what you know what the purpose of it is, but we don't know what the guest list is. I'll read you a little passage from uh, yeah, a letter that came to the White House. Just it's, read the title of the book again one more time. The title is Dining at the White House. And the subtitle there. F- uh, from the te- uh, President's Table to Yours. And it's a, it's stories from your time at the White House, but it's also a recipe book. Correct. Right. Yeah, th- two-thirds of it is uh, my road to the White House, my interaction with the families, and they have 107 recipes that I put on there from official White House menus. That's cool. So I displayed original White House uh, uh, memorabilia that I saved. I got like 1,400 items at home there. Wow. And I got 500 of these menu cards that I saved. So I wanted to highlight those, the ones that I did, of course, okay. and put those uh, in the uh, book as recipes. I'm t- Taking this home when he's not looking. Just okay. saying. Go ahead. Hey, I, I know Secret Service. Yeah. Careful, right? <laughs> you're right. You're right. My bad. Forget uh, it. Forget it. You'll make the eight o'clock show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, it says uh, October 26, 1999, Hillary Rodden Clinton, the White House, Washington D.C. Dear Mrs. Clinton, how very kind of you to host a luncheon for all of us the other day in your beautiful White House. I've been there several times, starting with the LBJ administration, where everything was beautifully handled. During subsequent visits, I was not as impressed. But when I returned for the Sara Lee Frontrunners Awards luncheon, I was delighted to find the White House sparkling and the service beautiful and attentive and the food delicious. It was a very heartwarming experience. Thank you so much with all good wishes, Julia Child. Oh, wow. wow. So she didn't like the way the Reagans and the first Bushes were running the show there. She's sure. like, I don't know how many times she was there, or what years they were. All I know is she was there in 1999 there. And all of a sudden wow. she showed up in the kitchen uh, afterwards. Hello, hello. And wanted to thank us for a job. Oh, well wow. Done. So that must uh-huh. have blew your mind. Oh, and it was, that was my menu that I did that day. I was in charge. And. Literally Julia 10 minutes. Child, that's ten, crazy. 10 minutes before service, a butler comes in the kitchen. As I'm, we're pushing shelf, getting ready to make this thing happen. We go from the ground floor kitchen. We have to go to the elevator, go up one, one flight. And right above our ground floor kitchen is the old family dining room, which is next to the state dining room. Right. We set up in there, set up the food, and hand it to the butlers, and boom, through those doors they go. And so I'm getting ready to do that. 
butler comes in the kitchen and said, Julia Child just walked into Donningham. I'm going, holy crap. How <laughs> does anybody ever tell me anything? Right. And I'm like panicking. I mean, literally, I'm yeah. panicking. Holy crap, I'm looking at everything around. Do I need to do something? This, that, do I, this, oh my, oh my God, oh my God. You know what I mean? Right. But then after a couple minutes ago, just do what you normally do. I said, right. I got over it and we just did what we did. But that's the only time I panicked was yeah, that moment. She's the panic. You know, Jack Chirac, oh. Let's don't be. Quick questions: Did you ever meet uh, the younger Bush when the older Bush was in office? I did. You did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Having and Jab and Jab, and Jab. but they and were Marvin, Marvin too. And, yeah, uh, but they weren't. Nobody yeah. like would stay there extendedly. I mean, maybe a visit. Right. Yeah, uh, Marvin was staying in. Um, he always, and I think he still does, lives in, in Virginia, in the D.C. area, and um, and uh, uh, George W. was down south, and he would come too. Also, there's a scene in Dave, the movie Dave, mm-hmm. where you ever see that movie? I love that. Movie. I did. It was a fun. Movie, and yeah. there's like, this like scene where like he's just hungry, and mm-hmm. he goes down to this kitchen, and he opens the fridge, and he's like making a sandwich with the Secret Service guy, and Ving mm-hmm. Rhames is there. I mean, is that close to reality? Could they do that if they wanted to? They could if they want. Yeah, we. Uh, but he, was anybody there? Because no, no. everybody what, was off, right? Yeah. Once dinner's done, and, and that's, that's it. what it was. There wasn't a chef there. They just went down yeah. with the Secret Service guy and made like a yeah, hand rummage sandwich. around and uh, look for that uh, so, whatever's be laying around there. So two questions. One is, while you were in the White House, did you go move up the ranks from sous chef? Did you become an executive chef or? Well, in uh, uh, I'm sorry, in 2005, uh, when this one chef left abruptly and something's happened, he had he had to leave kind of quickly. Uh, I became the uh, acting chef, so I did that for uh, five or six months until they were ready to make a decision on what what to go on uh, in the new direction. So you were sous chef up until that point. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I had oh, basically okay. the same position there. Okay. And no, nobody really moved in positions too much. There's only three of us. So, right. Uh, did right. you want to be the executive chef after all that? It would have been nice. It would have okay. been nice. But know? they just decided we're going to make they, a uh, they went in a direction. There was a lot, a lot of political influence was kind of coming around there. So I just decided, hey, after I got 13 years in here. It, sure. It's, uh, Is that like the ultimate resume, Mark? I mean, you go, you work at the White House, like you get a job anywhere? People look at it and go, White House? You mean, yeah, 1600 Avenue, man. Yeah. That's, That's right. like Hollywood right now. Yeah. There. So my second part to that question was we never got to a job that blew. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And given that... We deal with enough politics and regular jobs and toxic right. people. You kind of were in the culmination of all those things coming together. So tell us about a moment of uh, in your job that blew, um, or a job. Well, probably the worst thing that ever happened when I was at the White House was uh, George W. Bush's office, and you know all these plates and things that we work with is like. Yeah, they're irreplaceable. I mean, they're yeah. antiques. I mean, you're touching. We're basically like working in a museum. So you're, right. you come in contact with things on a day-to-day basis. Sometimes they bring up old plates from like you know, Benjamin Harrison wow. or even uh, uh, Rutherford Hayes. They have wow. a really cool uh, oyster plate and things like that, you know. But uh, we were getting ready to do a, uh, a dinner. I had some platters. We do two things. Sometimes we do platter service. The right. first, first lady like to do platter service. And we put uh, 10 portions on it, not not for, for a table of 10. Right. We would never put 10 pieces of meat. You always put 11. So the last person doesn't feel like they're taking the last piece off. Right. And so. Which I, I take the last piece off all Take two time. bases there. I yeah, always yeah, do yeah. that, yeah. That's why we put on oh, just so for that's guys just like me. you, you know? Yeah. That's <laughs> why I look like this. <laughs> and so uh, I had the platters there on the table, and I'm turning around on the stove, and I'm just heating up the vegetables and stuff like that. All of a sudden, I hear this exploding sound. Oh, no. I go, no way. Oh, I turn around there, and there's Reagan platters. 
exploded all over the table. And then the pot washer's there like, ah, ah, ah. he's got this look in his face. He went to hang up a pot, missed the hook, it <gasps> dropped straight down. And these are kind of heavy copper pots and oh crushed this gosh. thing. I was sick. I mean, I went upstairs and Gary Walters was my, you know, my boss. He's chief right. usher. Gary, there's an accident downstairs with Reagan platter how oh, many no. john i think maybe two oh just get all the pieces together oh no and say, get it let's we got to get over to and the which, curator's which office. first lady was in there at the time uh, uh, uh the bushes that oh, was, the bu- uh, laura laura, laura. Oh, okay my God. with people like what the fuck what are you doing <laughs> like, well so, so that, i I, oh, no, okay. I turn well i turn to those guys in the kitchen i go nobody hangs up any pots and pans they stay in the sink until we're done serving there was no reason we need to be doing right that. did that guy keep his job yeah to a degree i mean we you know I'm, Took him out by the monkey bars for a little while, yeah. muscle them a little bit. You know here. when but, he gets uh, drunk like, now, though, he's like, "Did I ever tell you about the time I, I broke, broke all the ragged Did ladders? you get Did you get backlash from that from the bushes? Yeah, we go up the roof, just go, "Hey, let's take yeah. frisbees here, you know, see if we can hit Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue." Yeah. So, wow. Did you ever get backlash from that? No, I, mean, I didn't. You know, I mean, was that it, like it a was, reprimanding? It, I did. I didn't get wrote up, written up, or anything like that. It wasn't. Right. I mean, yes, I wasn't charged. It was my dinner I was doing. Right. I felt horrible about it, but uh, you know, they realized it was an accident. You're like, it. hey, they weren't Lincoln's plates, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, let's put it in perspective. So, exactly. just to kind of tie all this back into our podcast too, and for our audience, and you know, I feel like we could sit here for days and ask you questions about uh, these stories. Yeah, we've got a phenomenal. ten minute. We're working ten minutes. We do, oh, but minutes, no? No. I I do want to focus on one part that's on the, uh, in your bio on your website, and you kind of brought it up too but this you you talk about this like randomness this opportunity that just like this came to you you know you're Mm -hmm. you're with these french chefs out at a party and you meet one guy and then you know talk about that as like as far as following your passion and and recognizing opportunities when they happen Mm -hmm. and the yes you know the 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 confidence to say yes Mm -hmm. Uh, absolutely. And when, when I, t- I do a lot of speaking stuff, when I speak to young uh, chefs or they're in school or just young people in general, I always say that, you know, you, you got to be doing something. I don't know. I, you know, sitting around playing video games all day and, and you know, sheltered in your house is going to get you out what you're going to be doing. You know, if you have a passion for something, go out and do it. Yes, I did a lot of dirty jobs. There was times I didn't even get paid. In fact, uh, I told folks, I said, I'm not telling you to go do this, but that chef that, that the guy recognized who offed himself back right. in 2003, mm-hmm. I worked for him for six months for free. Right. Wow. And when I came to him, I was working for another chef before him. He gave me, you know, they have an employee flat in almost most places, and you could just stay on the property. Right. You know, you get food every day. I mean, that takes care of most of your expenses right. anyway. And here's a couple of francs to live off, so you can go out and have a cafe or a glass of wine. But right. I, I wasn't there to make money. I was there for the experience. And so this one chef said, hey, John, you need to go out and see something else. So he says, I'm going to write a letter for you. I'm going to give you a right. list of a couple of chefs in the area. You go to them, you hand them this letter, and voila, we'll see right. what happens. So this one chef saw it, and he said, hey, um, I can bring you, I don't have a full time position but I, I have uh, a stagiaire you know uh-huh. you come in as do a stage with me but je paye pas I don't pay right. you can live here and I'll feed you but I don't pay for this position so I went back and you know I didn't have two francs to really right. <laughs> rub together for the most part I said you know why did I come to this country I came here to try and work in a place like this so mm-hmm. I said screw right. it I said I'll double down and right. spend even less money than I've known I was I mean I was living hand to mouth already but right. I, I didn't care about it you know it, I had no how old were you about I left I was 22 I came back I was 25 Right. Wow. And, and so I was like 23, 24 when that, this opportunity came up. And I said, screw it. So for six months, I lived on the property. And even on your day off, you can come in and sit with the family meal with the, with the staff right. and just f- go and get, get something to eat there. So, so do you encourage your son? Because you said, I know your son is helping you out with your business and he's at home. Like, are, do you encourage him to 
go to Europe and do something like that? They think about things like that, and they said, we like to go on and go out with something. And I said, well, let's let's build a passion around something. Um, none of them are cooking. Oh, right, how many, right. So, how many but, do you have? Uh, two, two boys. boys. They're 24, but you would encourage them, and I think that's the yeah. lesson yeah. for this and for everybody out there, is you need the training. Mm-hmm. You need to know that you're as good, if not better, than the next person. So whatever that means, whether it be in school or mm-hmm. hands-on training, living, not making any money in some small town in France, but also, like, recognizing like saying yes to things go to that party go to that opportunity and network when somebody says hey do you want to apply for a job at anything the white house say yes before you say no and and see where it takes you because you could end up at the white house right like even the worst place you're going to learn something you can take right. something away from everywhere you're at you know right. and i tell and what the i finished my talk with the camp with the young people i say you know uh you know that I worked for six months for free. Yeah, it was tough, right. but I learned a lot. Right. But that that experience got me into the White House. Right. So let's fast forward to the DuPont Circle in 1987 when right. I met that chef there. And he saw Bernard Loiseau. He goes, oh, you worked the first thing out of his mouth. You worked at Bernard Loiseau's place. And in at that the, moment, it was all, all made worth sense. it. It was, it was all, all worth it. it. Right. And even, well, even at that moment, I said, well, I have a job here. I didn't know what the scope of everything was. Right. I didn't know D.C. that well at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know it at all, period. You know, it was the first time I was being exposed to it. Sure. And little I know, I was coming into a great opportunity here who a couple years later I met another French chef who got me to the White House so I say no because that name was on my resume right and I worked for free work for free actually got me into the White House that's amazing when when you look at how it unfolded okay I want to get you um, out in time so I want to jump to some of the questions that Mm -hmm. I received from our audience So we're not gonna play a game we're gonna do audience questions because people were pretty excited that you would be here so they came up with some great questions so first one after Bush jr. had the choking incident did he eat pretzels at all and this is from Mike (laughs) Mike Dean well that whole pretzel thing I was behind that (laughs) what do you mean you I used to to bring these pretzels for and I uh, there's a place in Pennsylvania Lancaster and they still make handmade pretzels called Hammond's pretzels it's the best pretzel in the world <laughs> okay. I guarantee you guarantee. So I used to bring it down to White House during Clinton time and then also for uh, for the Bushes and uh, they, he grabbed a handful one day went to watch a football game and uh, he didn't chew on it hard enough and it choked so he liked those you he were like oh it. these are great and you almost so did agreed. you cut him off or did well I was hoping he wasn't gonna cut me off <laughs> for bringing <laughs> him up there but all he said was ah my mother always told me I should chew my food but uh, <laughs> he, with the, like the pretzels and I stayed on the second floor who was the funniest real quick Probably W. W. That's he, what he's I pretty funny, think. you know. Yeah, I could see him being like a kind of rib, elbow yeah. rib. Yeah, he's kind very of quick with it, you know. It was right. funny one night. I was yeah, when presidents eat by themselves, we kind yeah. of do man the meal up a little bit. Yeah. So I made chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, Aye. and corn. Nice. I give it to the butler. He goes into the dining room. He comes back. He's just eating by himself. Right. And butler comes back in the kitchen through the swinging door, and he's laughing. I go, well, it's so funny. He goes, ah, he cracks me up. And it's W. And I said, well, what did he say? He goes, well, I put the plate in front of him. He leaned over, looked at the whole thing, and said, there's nothing green on it. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. How about a meal that the first family wanted that you dreaded having to make because it was so ridiculous? This is Chip (laughs) Schrager. All right, Chip. Um, Never. I mean, um, there was, was, you know, for the most part, they kind of leaned into what we developed for menus for them. There was nothing like that was really, really bizarre. Okay. Like, oh, my God, if I have to make that one more day, I'm going to go crazy, you know, so it was. It it, was all pretty tolerable? Yeah, it was pretty tolerable. Nothing that really stood out. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Wait, I have to ask you, though, what your thoughts are about the current president and serving guests fast food in the White House? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know everything that's being served there. Uh, 
my understanding, he eats pretty much what everybody else eats. But that instance where he did do that, that was because the government was closed down. No, there have and, been multiple, though. Yeah. He's given fast yeah. food to most of the professional and, teams that have, or college teams that have come. <laughs> well, the one that I'm, I'm aware of was when the government was yeah. closed. And uh, I was there during uh, in the mid-90s when they closed the government down. And I was, yeah. I was considered essential, myself and the head chef. The, they were not allowed to have any parties. And we were only supposed to take care of the family, and that's it. That's it. And so uh, that that, I, that was a like almost a two week stint that uh, that went through. Of course, when I saw this happen, what last January or something like that, I said, "What the heck?" And I read into it. Oh, that's right, government shut down. If he is going to have an event, he wants to serve food. He had to figure out something on his own. So he went out, you know, Wendy's and Mickey D's and all that stuff, and loaded up the platter. So. I yeah I was a little bit of I was like what the heck I never saw you know yeah unwrap your food before you eat it in the, in the steak dining room there but <laughs> right. uh, I understood a little bit from that instance I'm not I'm if, not aware of some other ones if so. you were his chef now and he was like I want I want oh I don't know why I just made him southern but if you I want, I want taco a, salad man no, or like I want a McDonald's hamburger but I can't go out to McDonald's like could you make some kind of version of like a fast food burger Let's see what's two old beef patties special sauce <laughs> I can do this Jeez. I can do this Pickles I know onions. I can I can oh, that's what funny. about uh, guilty quick fire answers quick fire answers uh-huh. uh, uh, president and first lady's guilty pleasures the ones you worked with um, I used to make a nice margarita mix that the first ladies enjoyed they, okay. they, they liked that that they would ask for mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Clinton I used to make up this lemon uh, a, a lemon pasta right. with garlic and she really really liked it and like, liked it a lot and uh-huh. so it was something that I kind that of developed in my own and, and that, that what about be, the guys uh, chicken fried steak mashed potatoes and corn yeah. for Bill Clinton. Clinton. what about Bill uh, I made this uh, chicken pot pie from Lancaster Pennsylvania it's with a stew yeah you told us that thing that. Yeah, yeah that sounds amazing were we on air when we talked about yeah, that yeah 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 that was our opening what this, about I'm still thinking about it HW who was a pizza guy were there any pizza guys well, they like pizza once in a while and I would I put a plaque in the oven make my own dough and yeah. uh, you know, Domino's did not deliver no <laughs> no delivery. I, I delivered yeah you know? no deliveries you know? all right um was there a protocol for birthday dinners Irene Gonzalez is mm-hmm. asking um we would probably look at a couple things and we'd listen to the president if he wants to do anything special or anything like that you know but uh, like George W his birthday was on like I don't know July 6th or 7th or 8th something like that but they always celebrated on the 4th of July and so we'd always have a big picnic out in the South Grounds and they're going to so, so they could tell him the fireworks for, were for him see Georgie those are for you oh happy happy you know? <laughs> Okay, what about in the movie The Contender, there's a running joke where the president keeps trying to stump the kitchen asking for something they can't make. Uh Was he ever, were you, ever asked to cook anything for a president that you had to say no? It's from Ann Thompson. From Ann Thompson. For the most part, those guys are so busy, uh, they didn't didn't have time. Hey, send the food over type of thing, you know? Uh, But I I know that scene in there. We we make jokes about ourselves, you know, at the White House while, because I was working there when that came out there. It was a Jeff Bridges, I think, was president. Yeah. God, I always try to stump those guys, you know? But it's a, it's a fun movie there. But no, he, usually they just, uh, hey, just send the food up, you know. As soon as they sit down, the food appears in front of them, and boom, they're happy. Was there anything, if you can share, of a moment where, like, you heard something or were privy to something that somebody looked over at you and gave you a look like, just like, don't, you don't say anything, or put a finger over the mouth, like, was there ever something, like, or did that happen? Like, those moments happen, you have to be specific. Nothing really. Yeah, we, yeah, we have enough time to really produce our stuff right. and deliver it well and so there was never like a, you know, like a, a protocol chief protocol stepped in and say hey hey this ain't gonna fly like this mister you know or just like <laughs> hearing something like 
like attack Iran, fine. And then you were like, they were like, don't say anything. You know? um, now, the butlers could hear things like that because they're oh, in the dining yeah. room. Right, I'm, the, the I'm the on the other side of swinging. So you're door. only in the dining room for like a quickly, a second, deliver food, leave. For know? the most part, yeah, we're not there all. That, we're, you know, the butlers are out there. Yeah. So we're one last there. question, uh-huh. and what was it like to be in the White House? on 9-11? Oh, that's a good question. Well, that's, uh, it's, it's, it was extraordinary. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't realize what was going on at the White House on 9-11. We were having the largest party of the year that day. The oh. congressional barbecue was that night. All of Congress was going to be on the south grounds of the White House what? that wow. evening. Look it up. If All you, of Congress? That's like 500 people? Uh, uh, people? Well, the guests and stuff, we were over 2,000 people. Oh, my wow. gosh. It was an annual event. It just happened to be on 9-11. And uh, the Secret Service stuff were looking at this thing. What if these guys knew about it? If they would have dropped a plane on the South Grounds at 6.30 at night, they could have decapitated the government wow. on that day. You know. But if you look at uh, scenes of President Bush coming back to the White House when he finally got there in that helicopter, look at him. They showed it every year. But look at the on the edge of the photo. There's picnic tables that are all pushed off to the side and they're on top of each other. He could not land. He wanted to land on the South Grounds, but he could not because all the picnic tables were there. Right. Wow. And so I'm in the White House kitchen that morning because he was in Florida. Mrs. Bush was in the house getting ready to go up to uh, up to uh, the hill to have some type of a speech with, uh, for, with a group there. And one of the butlers came in the kitchen and said, a plane just hit one of the towers up in New York. And so... I didn't understand what the severity of it was at that point in time. Of course, we don't have a TV in the kitchen. I finished doing some cooking, and I said, I'm just going to go over to the storeroom. They have a small little six-inch TV. Right. I'm just going to go check it out. I mean, nonchalantly walked mm-hmm. over there. So I crossed the hallway. I dipped down to this little area here. And I, as soon as I walked in the room, I looked up on the shelf, and I see smoke coming out of the one tower. And the second my, my, my eyes get focused on that, I see the a plane one. crushing in. And I, I'm confused. <gasps> and I turned to the guy sitting there. I go, how did you get a picture of the building burning before it got hit? Because it, right. it, it, the way it hit at first, it looked like it was coming out of the same building. Right. Right? I was over post. Right. And I said, I don't know. That must be a second plane. So I really walked in right when the second plane mm-hmm. hit. And as we were trying to digest what just occurred, which was beyond comprehension, right. the chief usher of the White House came up behind me and said, John, this looks like a, t- a terrorist attack. There's no party tonight. Let's break everything down get, and uh, get everything put away. And let's get everybody out of here. It's not a pass order. So there's no had, alarm going off in the White House? Not at I mean, that time. Oh, had, okay. had the this Pentagon been moment. hit? Okay. This is, this is so New the York Pentagon now. hadn't been hit. No, it it takes a little bit longer until the Pentagon got hit. So And they must have shut you guys down after that. And then so when uh, uh, I went back to the kitchen, I said, guys, gather around. They had no clue what was going on. So I said, hey, and we, we bring a lot of part-time employees, and a lot of them are from the military who have passes to be on that property mm-hmm. to come and help us out for events like this. So we had like a dozen or so people work with right. us. And there was a lot of work to go on here. So I said, all right, the party is done now. Let's clean up. And as soon as everything's put away, the day's done. And it wasn't like, get them out of here in 10 minutes. It, it wasn't like that at that point in time. It's like, right. hey, if it takes a half an hour, an hour, whatever. Just the day's done. Right. And so I flipped over after I started cleaning up a little bit. I said, I'm, I'm on family. I'm taking care of the first lady's lunch. So I started with a minestrone soup and a composed salad. I'm there getting all the prep together on it. And then where I was in the kitchen, I heard nothing. But where the head chef was at the time, he was on the south right. grounds, went out there about 730 with a group of guys to work on uh, the, the grill setups and the right. food stations. He heard the kaboom, saw the plume of smoke oh, go wow. up, which oh, is man. right across from the south grounds of the White House oh, and gosh. towards, these, uh, towards uh, Virginia. And then the secret, they didn't know what got hit. Then the Secret Service yelled out because they heard what got hit. I said, hey, that was the Pentagon. We could be another target. It's recommended to evacuate the property. So he came. Now was an alarm going off at the. Well, no, we, no, no alarms really. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, so we, we came running. He came, he came running up to the kitchen and. 
from the south grounds, all of a sudden the doors kind of sl- slung open and it kind of hit the back wall a little bit. And you don't usually hear that. Right. I looked over and there's Walter running into the kitchen. He's like knees up to his chest. And he goes, he's out of breath. He goes, the Pentagon just got hit. We could be next. Evacuate. And I go, holy crap. Now what's right. going on? You know, so that's the oh first time gosh. I heard it. And so I, I just went around the kitchen and shut off all everything that was on, all mm-hmm. the ovens and stuff. Don't want to burn the place down. Right. The English had a way with that a few years right. ago, you know. Right. And so then for us, for the closest place to get out of the place was go on to the northwest gate onto Pennsylvania Avenue. Right. So we left underneath the north portico. We walked in front of the press room, in front of the Oval Office. And as I was turned to walk towards the northwest gate, and that's where the press always comes to. And we walk right in front where they always have that classic picture of the White House in the background. And you're reporting from the White House. And we call it Pebble Beach. There's a bunch of stones there for them to uh, stand on and do the right. reporting. I, I'm getting close to there. I, I stopped, turned around, looked over my shoulder. And right above the entrance to the west wing, and that, that beautiful blue sky we had that day was just black smoke swirling up into the sky. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, is that the Pentagon? And sure enough, it was. So that's the first time I saw the, wow. uh, the, the wow. smoke. And they smoke say the up. other plane, the fourth plane, was headed toward the White House. But the, you know, the- And did it hit close to where you're from in Pennsylvania, the other plane? No, a little bit closer to uh, United, Pe- uh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, it okay. Was, it was still probably a two-plus-hour drive to get over towards Somerville, and maybe right. more, but two, about two and a half, I'd say, to get over. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we have to wrap this up. Thank you again so much for coming today. Welcome. We're hope so I answered all the questions. No, I mean, no, I, mean I could story. ask you questions all day. All day. All day. At the book, I'm wanna... holding it right now, Dining at the White House. It really is. It actually just looks delicious, too. Not that I want to eat a book, but uh, what, what, tell us what's on here. Uh, that's the warm, flourless chocolate tort. Uh, mm. I was not happy when my publisher showed me the concept for the cover because I was a Chef, there, not a, not a uh, oh, right, chef. right, right. So about two days later, I had a I had a conference call with the design team out of Portland, Maine. I go, all right, John, uh, we understand your concerns, but uh, we have a few questions for you. Yeah. Go ahead. First of all, is that your recipe? I said, yes, it is. Did you serve at the White House? I said, yes, I did. And it has a great story. Right. Uh, we like we worked pretty hard to find something to bring this together, and we like to stick with it. So as you see, I lost the battle on that one. Right, but right. It comes to the story. Trust the, the story is kind of interesting too. Well, right. and people love dessert, so it exactly. just looks like I would never think to like pick up a cookbook for the stories, but I would pick this up. Is the story in great. the book? Stories in there. Okay, so and it's, it's about another harrowing day at the White House too, oh. uh, and for the country. It was the day the, feeling... space, the day the space shuttle Columbia crashed. He was oh. up at Camp David. Uh. I get a call on my phone. I was at I was at a, a gymnasium with my son who was in second grade at the time watching a foot basketball game. Which president him. was this? H W. H W. It's like 2003 or so. Wait, and no phone, W. Which one? W. 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 It was like 2003. Oh, 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 oh yeah, my yeah. bad. February. Sorry. Right about this time of year, like February or so, about that time. The, my, my cell phone rings. It's at the usher's office. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what they want. I flipped it up. And the only words now the usher's office mouth was, the president's coming back at 1130 and they're for lunch. Click. That was it. I go, holy crap, man. What the hell's going on? I right. had no idea what's going on. Right. So I grabbed Junior off the floor, went out to the car, and I have a, a news station on locally. It's called WTOP, News Traffic and Weather. Mainly the traffic right. is what I'm listening to all the time. That was long before we had smartphones. And so I get in the car, and the first story that came up when I turned the car on sure. was the space shuttle Columbia crashed on reentry. I said, ah, no wonder he's coming back to the White House. He wants to make a statement there and not Camp David. So I go home. I'm running down to the White House as fast as I can. There's a few stories around that, too. But I get there at 5 minutes to 11. I got six people for lunch at six, at 11.30. I got 35 minutes to make this happen. Wow. So I made a, I had some chicken stock, so I made a quick chicken tortilla lime soup. And thank goodness for quesadillas. You know, you can slice and dice things, yeah. and those things, over, sure. and we're done. 11.30, I'm up there ready, ready to serve. <clears throat> the president first, they come in with their guest. They have lunch. After lunch, Mrs. Bush, Laura Bush, comes back in the kitchen and says, Oh, John, thanks for coming on such short notice. Lunch is great. Right. 
And we, we feel so horrible about what happened today. So we're talking about the shuttle tragedy for a moment. And then after we were done, she said, oh, by the way, we're going to be 18 for dinner tonight. So, of course, the only thing I could say was, yes, ma'am. Right. <laughs> but I went on the elevator going, God, I squeezed this out for six, but I got nothing. I don't have food for, what for 18. What would you do? So uh, I was the only one there. I'm the only one answered the phone. No one came in that day except for me. So I grabbed the engineer. We got the van. I went over to Whole Foods, went down to Safeway, went down to the fish market. I grabbed the first proteins and, and vegetables I saw. Lots of ingredients. I was going to make something. Right. So I'm back at the White House about 115, 1.30. Just full throttle let's right. make this thing happen that's a dessert what am I going to do for dessert so I thought about this recipe I liked I had these ring molds I said you know what I'm going to pipe them in there bake them up individually I got these raspberry sauce fresh fruit wow. I'm into a cookie that I learned in France you know I said hey I'm not thinking about anything else. Just, just boom, boom, and I'm up there just in time to serve at seven o'clock. Eighteen people. And uh, now, so who paid it. for eighteen people? Is oh, that did. considered they, that they, that they was the their bill. own personal? Yeah, but okay. somebody gives you a credit card. I don't understand. No, like, well, we record everything. They get a built in at a month. I got a tab, yeah, but, but got a tab but running. I'm saying, well, it's I like get, Whole Foods. How do you pay Whole well, Foods? Well, I, I just buy it. I get a receipt and I come back oh. and they got petty cash and, and you uh, do that. We know where the press first lady lives. We always get our money from. This is like an episode of Chopped. Every time you tell a story like that, like make a dish, eighteen people. Go. They would have gotten yeah. peanut butter and jelly top for lunch. Chef. I got you should go on Top Chef. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's the commander I, I got, in chef. I got called oh, out I to the dining it. room. Uh, well, the butlers came back in the kitchen and said, did the pastry department come in and do the dessert tonight? I said, no, I took care of it. And they said, well, they want to see out in the dining room. I said, oh, boy, I hope this goes good. I don't usually do dessert. Right. I walked out in the dining room, and they all gave me a round of applause. And then they turned to me and said, John, did you, dinner was great. We loved it. But did you do the dessert? Yeah. I said, yes, I did. I said, well, we all loved it. What is it? What was it? How did you make it? So I'm asking all these questions. Went back to the second floor kitchen. I'm cleaning up this big old mess go back downstairs the butler said hey they want to see out the dining again i said geez i've been called out once but this is the first time i got called right. out twice. twice it went back out got another round of applause and whoa the, but the president's on one Did side you put marijuana or something in that thing <laughs> they were all drugs they're all like whoa and that's why it's Dancing on the cover on the of the book right there she's getting close she's getting close <laughs> i love it john you're Scary, the man. thank you hey, chef john john do you have any social handles uh well we have uh uh I have a uh, uh, pound at uh, John underscore Moeller underscore WH Chef. Uh, that's Instagram. Okay. And it's uh, Moeller, M-O-E-L-L-E-R. M-O-E-L-L-E-R. Uh, Donnie at the White House got the webpage. Uh, I do a little bit on the ha- on t- Twitter, but not that much. I, okay. I, 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 I like posting stuff on tw- on Instagram. I, I Me too. Twitter, good. man, you go down a dark hole. Yeah. Yeah. Never yeah. to be seen it's again. A great... Facebook is a little too... too that too. too it gets too. a little messy well, too. We yeah. really appreciate your, your honesty and uh, candidness. And for making and, a trip yeah. here from Pennsylvania. Just sharing Thank these you. stories. Uh, this so is I get so a slice cool. of pizza or something like that? Yes, we'll get you one after. If you can make us this little dessert right over here. Thanks. Quid po. You know what? We'll give you two cookies from Michelle Yeah, you got your cookies. And you can make some kind of dessert for us. All right. We're at Jobs Below Podcast um, on all the social channels and jobsbelowpodcast.com. I'm at Brihas1. And I'm at Mr. Josh Hyman on everything. Thank you so much, Chef John. We appreciate you. So much. It. And I don't know what song to play this out How to. about the presidential? Bye, guys. Bye. Ciao.